seat, please. Good morning, everyone. God is good all the time. Yeah. Oh, you got it. There we go. So for, um, for those of you who are new here, we have been going through the parables of Jesus Christ. And uh, we took a break last weekend to just celebrate our 25th uh, anniversary of the church. And so, um, but now we're back on track. And just uh, today, we are going to read another powerful um, parables that Jesus told. Uh, just by a way of introduction, uh, you know, parables are Jesus' uh, way of communicating profound spiritual truth in a very simple way. Through parables, Jesus was able to communicate to the church fundamental truth of God and his kingdom. Today, we turn our attention to the Gospel of Luke 18, verse 1 to 8, as Jesus tells another powerful parable. So if you, uh, it's up on the, uh, on the screen behind me, but also in uh, your bulletin. So let's read together uh, this powerful parable that Jesus told. Um, if I can find it, my Bible. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected men. And there was a widow in the city who kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. Your word is life. Your word is medicine to our bones. Your word is active. So as we open your word this morning, we pray that you speak to us, Lord God. Open our hearts, Lord, open our eyes to see you, and give us what we need to be able, Lord God, to do what you call us to do this morning. We thank you, we love you for your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm not familiar with doing the slides, but I will give it a shot today, all right? So you bear with me. Um, so uh, as we read this parable, um, I just want to make sure that I get the first thing first out of the way. One is that when you read this parable, I want you to not think that God is actually like this judge. Um, God is not like this judge at all. And the reason I say that because I have children. And some of you who have children uh, in this room know this, that they are very good at asking persistently. 
It goes something like this. Dad, can I have that? A few seconds. Dad, can I have that? Dad, can I have that? And without me even knowing what's going on, unconsciously I say, yes, you can have that. And then you know what? Follow by and be quiet. You know, um, God is not like that. When you read this story, it's not what's going on here. You know, in fact, God is the opposite of that. God loves to give his children good things. Um, he has given us salvation in Christ Jesus. That's how good God is. And the second thing is that we read this word, we read the word, always pray. And some of you look at me as like prayer, and you are completely shut down. Or you are looking at me as like prayer, I just lost you. You know, because prayer is not easy. Prayer is hard. It's very difficult. Listen, some of you have been praying for something for a long time. And you have not seen the answer. And because of that, you have lost. You have stopped praying. Stop praying. Or some of you looking at, across the room and say, you know what? That person should pray more because they have it hard. You know, they should pray. They should pray a lot. They should pray more because they have it very hard. Or let's just have a prayer request right now for them. Or some of you are like, yes, I prayed. I said my prayer this morning. I am on the top of the praying. I can pray without ceasing. We don't know how to pray because we cannot, and we don't know how to pray in this way that Jesus is talking about. Simply because we don't know how to wait. We don't know how to wait. We live in a society where access to information is right here at the tip of your finger. Give it to me right now, right now. So we don't know how to wait. We, we don't. This is the society in which we live in. All we need to know is when and where. This is important because uh, people like to be informed. People like to know where things are. They hate to be left out, don't you? I mean, I like to be in, getting involved. I like to know. I like to know when things are happening so that I can come. Crash parties and things like that. I don't know if you don't know that, but that's... People like to be included. No one likes to be excluded. Example, growing up in South Sudan, this is... I don't know about now, but growing up in South Sudan, you cannot, um, when it comes to parties, when it comes to wedding, for example, wedding is a social thing. You cannot choose and pick who to invite to your wedding. The whole community comes. The whole village comes. The only thing they need to know is where and when the wedding is, and they will be there. You know, they don't have, you don't have to even write invitation cards. In fact, growing up, I have not seen a single invitation weddings card. Yeah, welcome to America. <laughs> you know, it's a waste of time of writing invitation cards. So people need and like to be included. You know, all they need to know is where and when, and if, if they know the, the, the wedding or the groom, they will be there. Um, so this brings me to the context of what we are talking about today. Um, before we jump into this parable, it's very important for us to know that there is something that was going on, and that's when the phrase and tells us. 
You know, when you read this description, and he told them a parable. So, and is a connector. That tells us that there's something that was going on before this parable was told. And so that's why it tells us to put this parable in the context in which these things happen. So we got to go back to, uh, to Luke 17, verse 1 and following to find out why Jesus was telling the, dis- the disciple and the Pharisees that they should always pray without losing heart. Are you with me so far? Okay. Let me know if I lose you. So the phrase and tell us to go back. It tells us to read the parable with the context. Therefore, we need to go back to the chapter 17 and find out why Jesus was telling them. And by them, he's talking to the Pharisee. And he was talking to his disciples that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. The context is something like this. Being asked by the Pharisee, you can go back to the, to the reading. If you can go back to Luke 18. And he told them, a parable. So he was talking to the Pharisee. And if you go back to, the, to, 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 to Luke 17, you will know that they were talking about... Now you can go back to the next. All right, here we go. Oh, I'm getting this. So being asked by the Pharisee, the question was when the kingdom of God would come. The Pharisee was asking Jesus, Lord, tell us. We want to know when the kingdom of God will come. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and began to talk to his disciples and explain to them when is the second kingdom, uh, the kingdom of God will come. And he said, when he was talking to them, then the disciple asked, where, Lord? And that gets me to the next slide, which is just, I'm going to outline Luke 17 for you, for your, uh, well, it's not there, so I'll, I'll go here. Okay, here we go. So when he was asked, when is the kingdom of God? Jesus answered, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Luke 17, verses 20 and 21. Then the second, and then he began to talk to the disciple about the second coming of the Son of Man, that the second coming of the Son of Man is universal and is not quiet. In verse, in verse 27, Jesus said that the first, that before the second coming of the Son of Man, first things, what will happen is that the Son of Man will be rejected, will suffer, and will be killed. And then in verse 20, 26 to 32, Jesus described the second coming and gives warning from the two examples of the Old Testament, the judgment of Noah's day and the judgment of Lot's day. Now the disciples hearing this like, whoa, 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 whoa. You mean that the kingdom of God is here? We don't want to lose, we, don't, we, want to, we want to be ready. We want to be ready when that happens. So tell us, caught in dilemma, they said, where? Just tell us where, and we will go there. Just like the African wanted to hear, where is the wedding, and we will be there. Where? Just tell us where. They were caught in dilemma. The disciple asked, where, Lord? And Jesus answered them, where the corpse is, there the vulture will gather. Vulture is a sign of the judgment that is, uh, is to come. So this was not the answer that they were expecting, as you can see. If this is not where or where... If this is not just about where and when is the kingdom of God, then what this parable is all about? Let me propose to you what this parable is all about. This parable is about how are you and I who live in a world that is broken by sin live with the fact and the reality of the second coming of the Son of Man? How can you do that in this world? 
It was within this context that Jesus tells this parable of the persistent widow. And also the parable that is following in Luke. The praying, the, the praying Pharisee and the tax collector and the praying beggar. All these things were told within this context. All of these people, they have one thing in common. They are watchers for the return of the Lord. They are watchers for the vindication of God. Let me, let, there is a quote here that I put up here that I find is very helpful for me to just kind of put this in context. A quote from J.A. Mortier. He says, and speaking of the return of Jesus, he said, The Apostle Paul describes us as watcher of the return. We await a Savior. The second coming is the design end of our God's saving work. Again, we have been taught that the death of Jesus Christ has been the subject of deliberate divine appraisal and response, that God has responded to the cross in the supreme exaltation of Jesus above every conceivable authority, and that the intended outcome is the universal submission to the Lord Jesus, to Jesus Christ who is Lord. In God's estimation, Calvary requires the return as its only just and adequate acknowledgement. Nothing else will suffice to express what God thinks of the obedience of his son. To deny the return is to fail to appreciate the cross. To forget the return is to lose hold of the excellence of the cross. So as watcher for the return, we must exhibit a faith of like this widow, the face that cry out to God for vindication, the face that says, how long before you judge? The answer is not long. And nothing, my dear friends, can stop God from vindicating you. Nothing that can stop God from hearing your prayer. Nothing that can stop God to intervene in your life. There is nothing, not even the city. As we go back to this parable that we talked about, Jesus said that in a certain city, there was a widow. Not even this city. That can stop God from intervening in your life. Why is that important? When Jesus told this parable, he knew that people would understand what kind of a city that this city is all about. That, and what kind of practices that will be done in this city. We see a similarity in Jesus' description of those who live in Noah's time and lost time with this city. This city is no different from our city today. It is not different from Richmond, Virginia, where you live. It is a similar that we, it is, it is that we forget how God active in us. He is active in the life of the person next to you. He is active in the life of your children. He is active in the life of your spouse. He is active every day. God is active, but we forget. He's active in our lives. Jesus is a king. And where he is king, there is his kingdom. The Pharisees like, where is the kingdom of God? Jesus said, the kingdom is your midst. You are missing it. I am here. The king is here. And if the king is here, guess what? His kingdom is there. We make a mistake by looking at the city or our life and conclude that God is not at work. The kingdom of God seems quiet sometimes, seems weak, but it's powerful and it's advancing. Do you see it? Do you see it? Do you feel it? Do you believe it? We just celebrated the 25th anniversary and we look back and say, God is at work in the life of his children. Do you see it? In Richmond, Virginia, 2018, God is at work. God is active. Do you believe it? 
Sometimes the only thing that we see is a struggle. Sometimes the only thing we see is poverty. Sometimes the only thing we see is injustice. People of this city are like us, concerned so much about things of this world to the point that their love for God has become lukewarm. To the point that they lost sight that God is active in their life. When Jesus told these parables, as I said, he knew that people would be familiar with the city. They would be familiar with the experiences of the unrighteous judges. They would be familiar with the widow and the unnamed adversary. It was an ordinary city. Just like in the days of Noah. Just like in the days of Lot. What people were doing, they were eating. They were drinking. They were, give, you know, they were busy with life. That's what they were doing. Just simple life things. Why do I say that? Because I say that because we are busy people. Busy and seem not to notice that God is at work in our lives sometimes. This city is busy and seem not to notice the widow as she is just going back and forth between the judge and the courthouse and just the people watching her just, just, just beating those streets. They very busy. No one seem interested in helping her. No one seem interested to confront the judge. No one seem interested in challenging the unnamed adversary. It's only the widow at the mercy of the judge. What about me and you? Are we busy to notice that God is active in our lives? Are we busy to notice that God is at work in our lives? That the kingdom of God is advancing? So not even this city, as we will see, can stop the kingdom of God from happening. But not only that, we go on and we say that not even the unrighteous judge. The Bible tells us, Jesus said that, Jesus doesn't hold back. He said that this is a wicked man ever. Jesus described him as a wicked person. Someone who doesn't fear God. Someone who doesn't respect anyone. He does not care all, all about the law of God, or he doesn't care about the need of this woman. You know, you want to talk about the first commandment? Forget it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I don't care about that. He doesn't care about the law of God. And the second commandment, love your, your neighbor as yourself? Forget that. I'm not giving her justice. So he doesn't respect God. He doesn't fear God. He doesn't respect anybody. And it sounds like our world, doesn't it? Hmm? He has no feeling to the need of the people and the, their just causes. It is one thing to say that people were just, you know, ascribing these things on him. But look, in verse 4, he admits it. He said, even though I don't. Dear God, nobody is pressing these things on him. He admits it. Uh, some, uh, how many of you are familiar with the word bribe? All right. This judge, because she, he cannot get bribe from this woman, he would not give her what she needs. What a broken city. What a broken world in which we live in. That fear no God or respect man. But guess what? Even this system will not stop the kingdom of God from advancing. 
They are not good news. Then we turn into the, there is the unnamed adversary, right? Did you see that? Did you read that when we read it? There's the unnamed adversary there. The woman said, give me justice because of my adversary. It seems like this adversary doesn't do anything. It's just there, right? Not active at all. Did you see that? But it's active. He's causing this woman to go back and forth. (laughs) But not even the adversary. We read the unnamed adversary. For those of you who think that they do not have an adversary, let me encourage you to learn from this widow. The Bible tells us that we are in a constant war against the flesh, against the world, and against Satan himself, which is the adversary. But guess what? We have the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, with us. He says this. Look, listen to his word. I have said these things that you, in me, you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We are told that, uh, also Peter told us to be watchful and sober-minded because our adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Take courage, church, because we have the word of God. Jesus tells us that men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He knows that our struggle against the adversary is real. He knows that, uh, that, that everything that we are facing is real. And our response should be like of this widow. We are not to lose heart. We are not to give up. Because at the end of the day, we are victorious. As Paul reminds us, that the surprising power of God belongs to, that, 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 the, belong, that the, uh, the surprising power belongs to God. We stand because God is at work in our lives. Though we are afflicted in every way, we are not crushed. Do you believe that? Perplexed but not driven to despair. Persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down, not destroyed. That is why Jesus is asking this question in verse 8. When the Son of Man come, will he find faith on earth? A faith like this widow. So you see the city, you see the judge, and in the middle, the woman is sandwiched. Then there's the widow, verse 3. What do we know about this widow? What do we know about this widow? Well, a couple of things. We know this. This is, this is, this is from the, the, the reading. And there was a widow in the city who kept coming. So she kept coming, saying, give me justice against my adversary. Yet, there are many lessons we can learn from this from her. What are the lessons that we can learn from her? She teaches us the necessity of persistence on our part based on God's mercy. What a faith full of humility. Now, how is that humility? How is that? She is poor. She is lonely. But she still walks every day as the world is watching her. Maybe laughing at her. Maybe saying she is crazy. She's not going to get the justice. But she's humble enough to keep going. She's humble enough to keep 
going. Faithful of humility. Second, she teaches us to persist based on our identity in God. That faith full of confidence. The confidence that comes that I know who I am, but I know that my God will come through. That the faith full of confidence in God. She teaches us that if the unrighteous judge who doesn't fear God nor respect man would vindicate a weak and a poor widow who, she, who he doesn't know, how would God, the righteous one who knows you, calls you by name? What a faith full of boldness to come to the Lord in boldness. Now, Lord, I know that I belong to you. You are mine. I am his. And he, you come to God with that Boldness, because you know that he will vindicate you. Boldness. So she teaches us that we come to God in humility. We come to God in confidence. We come to God with boldness. What a faith like that would do. A faith like that doesn't need to beg God for his blessing. Amen. The faith like that doesn't need to influence him, to pressure him, to wear him down in order to bless you. A faith like that knows that every good gift and every perfect gift come from above, coming down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation of shadow or change. A faith like that knows the word of Jesus said, Fear not, little flock, because as please your Father, to give you the kingdom. So persist in your prayer. Not aimlessly, but and not unexpectedly, as if God is, 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 is deaf or unmoved by your need. No, pray from your identity that you belong to God. Your identity as in the elect of God with unwavering faith because Our God is faithful. Amen. Because our God is faithful. Next time you question and you have questions like, um, why am I facing what I'm facing? Why am I suffering? Why all the injustice and brokenness in this world? Remember this widow and know that indeed none who wait for you shall be put to shame, O God. Also remember that God hears us. God hears you. He hears you. Friend, the pain of losing the loved one, the pain of disappointment, the pain of getting what we think we, des- we, 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 we deserve, those pains are real. But you know what else is real? God hears you and God sees you. God says to Moses, I surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I heard their cry because their taskmaster." I know their suffering, and I come down to deliver them. That's your God who hears you. A long war of South Sudan took me away from, from my parents at an early age. It was a cry of faith that, longs, that lasted for 21 years before I could even lay my eyes on my mom again. I, I still long to the day I will see my dad in glory. Because he died uh, without me seeing him after I was separated from them. 
the pain is real. The pain and what awaiting is real. But more important is the comfort that we have in God. 2010, there was a group of people who went from here to South Sudan on a mission trip. And at that time, I was fortunate enough to have gotten my, um, to have gotten my, uh, my, my uh, citizenship and I have my passport. And so I joined the team to go back to South Sudan. And that was actually the first time that I would have gone back after 21 years of not seeing my mom. So you can see the emotion and all of the things that's happening. So we, we went with the team that went from here, from, uh, from West End Presbyterian Church. And then um, the team, we did the work for two weeks. Uh, after two weeks, I asked if I could go to see my mom. And, uh, and so after two weeks, the team came back. And so I went to Malakal when I stayed back. And, uh, and, and man... Uh, but before, I, before we, we left the United States, I called my sister. And I said, you know, guess what? I'm coming. <laughs> and she's like, are you for sure? Are you coming? I was like, yeah, I'm coming. She's like, it's been 21 years. Are you sure you're coming? I was like, well, I, I can't show you my passport, but it's right here, and I'm coming. I got my shots and everything. I was coming. She's like, you know what? Yes, I, I, I believe you, but I'm not going to tell our mom that you're coming. It's, it's enough that she has endured a lot of pain. So I'm not going to tell her that you're coming. I was like, oh, that's fair enough. Don't tell her. But I'm coming. So, um, so I was in Juba then. Um, the team has come back to the United States, and I'm going to, to Malakal. I'm in Juba, and call, I call her. I said, now this is the phone. I'm calling from Juba, South Sudan. I am in Juba, and I'm now about to board a plane to Malakal, and I'll be there in 45 minutes. She's like, okay. But I'm still not going to tell my mom. <laughs> I said, okay, that's fine, fair. So we boarded, and man, uh, it, just, it just came, it came down on me. Just like my, with every increasing distance, my heart was just like about to explode. I, my, I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't feel my feet. I couldn't feel my, my hands. I just, my, my, I mean, it was just so all this emotion coming in, and with every mile is passing. Oh, my goodness. There's just so much. My heart was full, but at the same time, I was nervous. And then the plane landed in Malakal. And then my, I mean, my feet could not hold me. I can't just take the next step. I was just like, is this for real? I'm going to see my sister in just a few seconds. And so I walked out, I walked out from, the, from the waiting room, and then God, and then there she is, waiting, but no mom. I thought, okay. I'm here, but my mom is not here. The reason I'm here is to see my mom. And they'll say, like, okay, we hug, we, we spend the time. It just, it was so much. And then she said, okay, um, first thing first, I'm not going to take you to your mom. Like, what? I'm here. Please take me to my mom. She's like, no, I'm not going to take you to your mother. I'm going to take you to my house. You're going to wash and take some tea and we'll take you there. Unbelievable. Siblings, right? <laughs> so, anyway, we, and so before she knew it, I mean, she looked at me, nothing was going, I was not conversing, because I just, I'm in South Sudan, and I came here to see my mom, I'm, I'm, I'm not going back without seeing her. Finally, she looked at me, she said, well, you, you're tired, and I see, 
I can't punish you enough. Let's go. So we went, and then after, after we went, and then as we approached her compound, she was coming, my mom was coming out of her room, and there she is. Now, remember, 20, 21 years ago, I was seven, and now I am this. And then I'm standing in front of her, unnot- like without notice. And then my sister, I was like, well, you got to talk because I can't talk right now. So she's like, Mom, I want to introduce you to somebody. And my mom looked at me and said, who is this? I'm like, um, Shenjok. And then she went naming all the Shenjoks she knows. <laughs> Shenjok, son of this, Shenjok, son of that. She's like, no, not that one. Or that one. Or that one. And it's like, Shenjok, son of Shol, yours? She couldn't believe it. And then I just couldn't hold it anymore. I said, Mom, it's me. And when she heard that, she just couldn't. Take it, and just she, we were standing, and she just took a short walk. She just walked in disbelief. Came back, we hugged, we cried, and then she looked at me and said, "Son, for the last three weeks, I have been having a dream, and someone in my dream telling me one of your sons is coming home. Because she has two. I am I'm in America." And the other one is in uh, Netherlands, in Holland. And I would wake up and say, who? And nobody will tell me who was coming. So now God has been telling me that you're coming, and I'm glad you're here. It was, it was an answer of prayer for God to intervene in this way. So the last point I want to make here is that our God vindicates. He will surely vindicate his children. It will surely come, and it will surely see us through. The wait will end, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather, he will gather them to himself. In the meantime, beloved, we persist in faith and pray for the kingdom to come. We do it in humility, we do it in confidence. We do it in boldness, knowing that our God is faithful, he hears, and he will surely act on our behalf. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you for your love and mercy. We thank you for the fact that you hear us. We thank you for the fact that you are with us. We thank you for the fact that you will come again. Help us, Lord, to love you. Help us to, um, to live in light of your second coming, Jesus, and to persist, knowing that we belong to you. And to come to you with confidence, come to you with humility, come to you with boldness, because you are our God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. For received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, just as I do now, ministering in his name. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, 
You took the cup. Just as I do now, ministering in his name, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Join me as we confess our sins before God and our neighbor using this prayer of confession based on David's uh, Psalm 5. Hear our words and our groanings, O Lord. Give attention to our cry for mercy. You are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. You abhor the bloodthirsty and deceitful. Forgive us, good Lord. We have sinned against you and our neighbor. We have sought to justify ourselves before you. We have attempted to atone for our own sins and punish the sins of others. And so we have boasted in sin and self. By your mercy alone, by the abundance of your steadfast love, may we enter your house. Because of your Son, O Lord, let us find refuge in you. Take away our sins and let us ever sing for joy. Cover us with your favor as with a shield for the sake of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Church, hear the good news of Jesus Christ. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. <clears throat> 